Easter is coming. Now, unlike the Christmas season, Easter doesn't have as many of the rich traditions that help us anticipate Christ's death and resurrection, the event the entire gospel hinges on. Hi, I'm Charles Morris, and this is the Great Stories Podcast. Today, I want to share with you the full interview I did just a few days ago with award-winning singer, songwriter, and author Andrew Peterson. He's produced an album called Resurrection Letters, Volume 1, and that album captures the true beauty and the awe of the Easter story. In this conversation, we bridge the gap between what you and I read in the Gospel and how those events have direct implications to how we live every single day. I'm convinced that when we live in the reality of the resurrection, it changes everything. And so, as I invite you to join me and prepare for Easter together, I hope you gain a greater sense of gratitude and love for the Lord as you listen to this inspiring conversation with Andrew Peterson. But just before we meet up with Andrew, I want to invite you to click on the subscribe button so you can be reminded every time we have a new episode. And please take a moment to rate our podcast and leave a review, a friendly review even. Not only does it help us know that we're connecting with new friends, but it also helps others find great stories as well. Now, let's start this episode. Now, I want to welcome back to the program someone who hasn't been on our Haven Today radio program for at least a decade. He's a musician, a songwriter, and an author, but he's also my brother in the Lord. Andrew Peterson, you're in Nashville, and I want to welcome you back to Haven Today. It's good to be with you. Thank you. You know, um, I'll say this, not trying to embarrass you, but... Uh, you know, when we had you on, I don't know how many years ago, 12 years ago or something, uh, you weren't even famous when we had you on. You didn't have any handlers with you. Hey, was... I, wasn't, I wasn't famous to you. Let's oh, just say. yes, yes. I mean, okay. there were little pockets okay. of 10 people in the country where I was a big deal. Exactly. Well, you drove over to the Opryland Hotel where the National Religious Broadcasters was meeting and uh, and yet we wanted to have you on. Our music director was saying, this guy writes great music. You've got to get him on the air. You've got to get him to talk about his life. And you did. And I want to thank you for that. And uh, I don't even know at that point if you'd even thought about writing books. But, uh, but I do know today, as I certainly realized then, you love Jesus. And so I'm so glad to have you back on the program today. And uh, I won't get any more mushy than that, Andrew. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. It is a pleasure to be with you. I'll ask you one little question. Do you still have those caves near your house where your kids like to play in? Oh, man, I forgot that we talked about that. Uh, yeah. Yes, the caves are still here. They haven't gone anywhere. Okay. Uh, the, the thing that has changed is that the kids are all out of the house now. So right. we're, I'm, my wife and I are about three months into empty nesting now, and we're having a, a ball. Uh, and actually, no joke, we have talked about my wife's never actually been caving in the caves that my kids have been in. And so right. now, that, now that we're these spry uh, empty nesters, we're, we're planning to go caving soon. Well, that's, that's great. That's great. Andrew, let's talk a little bit about your life. Now, I'm going to, this old brain is going to have to dredge this up. But as I recall, you 
told me you're a PK, a preacher's kid, right? Am I yeah. recalling yes. that correctly? Okay. And and uh, and yet, you know, even if you're raised in the Christian home and you know Christ at an early age, uh, that doesn't always mean Christ has gotten hold of your life yet. Are there any special moments that you can think of that you could share with me on how Jesus became more real to you, more special to you? Yeah. Uh, we don't really have enough time for me to tell you all the times that I felt like I was on a path and suddenly I ran into the person of Christ. And mm. I think that's the that's the the way I think of it, because having grown up a, pre- a preacher's kid, in the church, VBS, Sunday school, all that stuff in the South, you know, so it was like this really uh, churchy culture uh, that I was a part of. I knew a lot about Jesus, but I, I don't think I knew Jesus mm-hmm. growing up. I think I would have told you I was a Christian, and maybe I was, but I don't think I n- really had encountered the person. Mm-hmm. And um, and even now, like, you know, I, I hear a lot of conversations about the ideas of Christianity, you know, the concepts of Christianity and theological propositions and, you know, um, like acquiescing to a way of thinking about Jesus. Uh, And it's easy to lose the fact that, that he's even now got flesh and blood (laughs) Mm. and, and is, is Mm -hmm. incarnate um, the son of God. And that there is this actual person swirling at the heart of it all. And, uh, and for me, that was what did it. And it was the music of Rich Mullins that, that, uh, was, that was the doorway through which um, Jesus kind of came and stood in my path. I was 18 or 19 years old in a rock band, long hair, about as directionless as I could possibly be when I first heard R- the Rich Mullins song, If I Stand. Mm. And um, I had to learn it so somebody could sing it in church. And by the time I had finished learning that song, I knew he was real, and more importantly, I knew that he loved me. And uh, I, I don't think, I don't think I understood how much he loved me until, until I encountered him through that music. And once I, once I began to understand, you know, the way Rich put it, the reckless raging fury that we call the love of God. When I began to realize there was this like incredible, unexplainable love that he has mm. for us, mm. Uh, mm. That, that I really had a story to tell. Mm. And it wasn't long after that that I asked him, can I sing about you for the rest of my life? Mm. And, um, can mm. I write about you? Because if I grew up in the church in a you know, more or less functional home, and I still missed the good news of the gospel, yes. how many yes. more people must there be out there who just haven't realized how wonderful he is? You know? And so that's kind of what I've spent, spent my life doing. You know, isn't it isn't it strange when when you grow up in a Christian culture, uh, especially an evangelical Christian culture, we think about sharing our Lord. We think about doing it around the world, and and yet I look at my own country where I live, and you live, and um, and I see people in desperate need of the gospel as well. And, and I think I've seen that even, even more over the past year, people in desperate need for the gospel. You see mm-hmm. that in Nashville, too? Oh, yeah, all around us, you know. And it's in wealthy people, and it's in poor people, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's that, it's this thing where I just think that in, in a culture that has 
So I, Flannery O'Connor, who's a you know yes, writer, yes. Catholic writer from the South, she yeah. she said something like about how you know the South isn't necessarily Christ-like, but it is most definitely Christ-haunted. Mm. Uh, that mm. it, it's like haunted by this idea of Christianity or or by Christ. And and I understood that. I don't know how to explain it, but when I first heard her say that, I was like, yes, I know what you mean mm. by that. Um, you know, I, and having spent a fair bit of time in England and parts of Europe traveling like i think that when you walk into those amazing cathedrals you know you feel like even though nobody's really worshiping in these anymore they're the, it's haunted by christ there's this, right. this flavor of him that is still hanging in the air you know and uh and i feel like america is kind of in that same space like there's this very cultural kind of christianity that's like lumped in with nationalism and a bunch of other stuff that that like it has drifted from that, like I said, that person, that that actual person standing in the path whose name is Jesus. And so I'm guilty of it. You know, I'm guilty of having grown up missing the point for so so much of my life. Yes. But like that's the that's the thing is like there is uh I think we've grown numb to just how good the good news is, mm. you know? Um, mm. which is why books like the Chronicles of Narnia are so important. Right. Like that's, that's why Lewis wrote them is because he was in right. this culture where he was like, uh, he, the quote is something like, you know, what if I could, um, strip away all of the, the kind of Sunday school associations of the story and the feeling of oughtness, like kids being told how they ought to feel. And I could recast the story of Christ in a way that would recover some of its original potency maybe I could then sneak past their watchful dragons was how you mm. put it. Mm. And I feel like we're living in a culture where people have these watchful dragons up all the time. And as soon as you bring up Jesus, the guard goes up. Oh um, yes. Absolutely. Because I think people have these assumptions about what Christianity is that, that it's really not that at all. Right. <laughs> it's Christ himself, you know? And so uh, that is, that, that is new. And you know, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of preaching now, but like the idea that, that people think that, Christianity is just about, oh, well, we're sinners and Jesus died for us. That's true. We're sinners. Yes, Jesus yes, died for us. Yes. He also conquered death, right? Yes. He also resurrected and is inviting us into this new creation. And is and like the idea that the new creation is not a disembodied existence mm -hmm. in heaven floating around like Looney Tunes mm -hmm. playing harps, you know, mm -hmm. but that it's this grounded, earthy, resurrected flesh and bone bodies where there will be a feast and a wedding mm. i just feel like sometimes like uh like the uh kind of cultural christianity has missed the real potency of the hope that we have in christ and uh and so yeah i you see that everywhere whether it's whether it's people in like real dire physical need or people mm. in dire spiritual need mm. well that's all right you can preach to us we let people do that when we do interviews on this program so it's all right dad would be so proud <laughs> if 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 uh, if you just joined us uh, this is haven today and i'm charles morris and our special guest from uh, nashville tennessee is andrew peterson and i want to take a moment to share the most well-known song from your latest album resurrection letters volume one and it's called is he worthy? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? 
Let's talk about this song that we just heard. Is he worthy? It's from this latest album of yours, Resurrection Letters 1. It's a very different style of worship song, and yet I find it so moving. Would you mind telling us a little more about it, would you? So I, several years ago, we started attending a, a church that uses uh, the liturgy. As a kid who didn't grow up with that kind of liturgy, mm-hmm. and as a word nerd who like loves poetry and uh, mm. and loves loves to kind of savor words, like showing up at a church like that where the liturgy is ancient and beautiful and mm-hmm. and you know so richly theological, I just love it. And so uh, anyway, it just got me thinking about a song where uh, instead of the worship leader standing at the front of the the thing just singing trying to lead people in song, but asking questions that would engage the audience and have them affirm together mm-hmm. these truths that we believe. And so I had written the verses of the song, but I didn't have a chorus yet. And then I uh, read in Revelation 5, there is a question and answer that happens. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a moment where mm-hmm. it's like this rhetorical thing where a question is asked and then the answer uh, comes back. And then what you have is the truth being told, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when they say, is anyone worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? Mm. And all of heaven cries out because no one can be found who is worthy. And mm. then Jesus steps into the scene. Mm. And uh, and all of the elders, you know, they all sing his praises that, yes, he is worthy to open the scroll. It's just this beautiful, and it, to me, was the perfect, perfect way to sum up the rest of the song. Um, and so I had no idea when I wrote it uh, just how broken the world would really feel mm. um, in mm. 2020. Mm. And now, for that matter. Yeah. Um, I think that I... Uh, I'm a pretty emotional person, you know, who tends toward melancholy. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I probably was thinking about the fact that, yes, I, I often look around and feel the weight of the brokenness of the world. Um, but it ch- the meaning of that changed, changed with 2020, I think, you know, yeah. like, so then to stand on the stage. And I think, you know, Easter Monday, when we do the live stream show at the Ryman, it'll be like, it'll feel very different to say, do you feel the world is broken? And to have the audience all sing mm-hmm. back, we do, mm-hmm. we will know that. In a, in a deeper way, which if you, the, the, it's kind of like sin. Like the more, you know, your own brokenness, the more you realize just how good Jesus is for loving you. Mm. Like the more we know the, the depth of the brokenness of the world, the more mm. glorious is the hope that we have in the resurrection and mm. the fact that he will make all things new. Mm. And Andrew, that's exactly what you've captured on this new album. How did this concept album come to be? Tell us a bit about what inspired this album and how it got your creative juices flowing. Uh, well, the, the Resurrection Letters Project is, is one of the craziest, uh, craziest versions of that. Um, I, I love concept albums. Like most of my albums, um, there's some unifying idea that I don't start out with a unifying idea, but okay. about three quarters of the way through, I'll, I'll start to notice that there's some theme that okay. keeps popping up and that helps me write the rest of the songs to finish the album. I love the idea. It's kind of like a bygone thing to sit down and listen to an album from start to finish and, uh, and experience it as a whole. And the cool thing is like my kids are growing up in the Spotify generation. I say my kids, they're, they're grownups now, but they, they'll you know, always they, be your kids. Yes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they actually are album listeners too. And I don't know if it's because they grew up in a, you know, a musical home or not, but like they, they actually love the story arc of a record. So I've always liked, um, you know, when, when an album comes out to like present a one big kind of epic concept. And so several, well, I guess it would have been pushing 13 years ago now. 
I did that. I'd written a bunch of songs. I had read um, N.T. Wright's Surprised by Hope, which is this wonderful book of theology about the new creation and the mm -hmm. resurrection. And uh, of course, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And a lot of the stuff that I was reading was this like really wonderful thinking about, about the implications of the resurrection of Jesus. So when I looked at all, all the songs, they all kind of tended to be about that in one way or another. They all touched on this theme of resurrection. So I, I called it Resurrection Letters. And then um, at some point in the making of the album, I was like, I feel like this is part two. I feel mm. like this is a second half of a bigger story that like, mm. this is all about like the wake of Christ's resurrection. I want mm. to make an album about his actual resurrection. Mm. And so 10 years later, I finally got around to volume one. So, <laughs> so we released volume two and then 10 years later, I wrote the songs about the resurrection of Jesus, which includes Is He Worthy? And then Resurrection Letters volume one opens with the sound of Christ's heart beating in the, in the tomb. And then it's this, mm. We're off to the races and it's this big celebration of his resurrection. There is one song that you've written on your Resurrection Letters one album that makes our executive producer cry when he hears it and the song is his heart beats just tell me a little bit about that song yeah it was the it was the last song to be written for the project and it's the first song on the project which um i thought that i always thought the the first song would be the song risen indeed mm -hmm. um which opens with the line uh and so the winter dies with the blast of icy wind Mm. Uh, like a mournful cry, it's giving up the ghost again. And it was about the, the end of winter and the beginning of spring. And, uh, and Ben Shive, my, my dear friend who produced this album and wrote a few of the songs, um, you know, he's been a part of the, my life, musical life for, you know, pushing two decades now. Mm. And, uh, and he knows the Bible about as well as anybody I know. And he, uh, he texted me before we finished the record. He texted me this voice text. He was on a walk with his dog and he, he was singing the opening lines to his heartbeats to me and it mm. was his heartbeats his blood begins to flow waking up what was dead a moment ago and he like zeroed in not on the coming of spring at the end of the winter but on the actual physical heart in the tomb that began to beat on sunday morning and mm. i was just like it kind of blew my mind i'd never really thought about the physicality the physiology of it mm -hmm. and uh and so we ended up finishing the song together and uh and i've had uh physicians come up to me after the shows and say that they too had never thought of the physiology of the resurrection mm. before. Mm. They had all these scientific questions like, yeah. wait, his blood would have uncongealed, you know, wow. like how did rigor mortis work backwards, right? Wow. There were all these like fascinating questions, their brains were crackling. Um, but I love it because it, once again, like the whole thing, it zeroes in again and again and again on, on Christ the person and the, the physicality of the resurrection, the fact that it, it happened bodily. Mm. And that is also what is in store for you and I. you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. My name is Charles Morris, and we're talking with musician and author Andrew Peterson. We're talking about his latest album, Resurrection Letters One. Andrew, it would be 
an understatement to say the resurrection is really important, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's the center of the whole thing, man. Like it, it, it was amazing to you know re, to read the New Testament through that lens. You realize that every sermon that was preached like hinged on the resurrection of Jesus, the mm. bodily resurrection of Christ. Mm. And so, if that didn't happen, this is all a waste of time. Um, like you know, I, somebody asked. Uh, I heard somebody talking recently about like, okay, why are you a Christian? And the answer was because I believe the resurrection happened. Mm. Like that's it. It's not the, that Christianity is a is a better way to live. I think it is, mm. but that's not why you're a Christian. It's not just a philosophy mm. by which you you live. Like there is this uh, this fact that happened in history that we can't wiggle around, which is that this person named Jesus was God and he loves mm. us. And so uh, anyway, yeah, I just I, I once I realized you know, that, that, that was this central part of the gospel. It just has changed the way that I live my life. You know, mm-hmm. um, once I realized that the new creation is, is grounded and beautiful and it's a remade earth, like it changes the way I tend my own garden, literally. And like, I'm looking at it right in front of me. Right. Um, I, I, I think about the fact that the daffodils coming up out of the ground in the springtime are trumpeting the resurrection. You know? mm. Mm. <laughs> they, they, they preach the story. All of creation preaches it, yes. the sermon every year. And so it's just, it's all in there. Sorry, you, you, you've got me going. I'm just, That's all it's, right. it's, a, it's a spring day in Nashville. And so I believe the gospel more than ever. You know? And so the winter dies with a blast of icy wind. Like a mournful cry, it's giving up the ghost again. Another sheet of snow melts away to gold and green. Look at Peter go, he's racing to the tomb to see. Where has my Jesus gone? He is not dead, he is risen, risen indeed. You know, the, the, the unspoken question that was in my mind when I was in high school was, what is the point of all this? right? It's like, okay, yes, Jesus died for me. Yes, we'll go to heaven. Yes, there's God. Like, it wasn't hard for me to just kind of like accept those truths, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't understand what for really, right? Like there was Mm -hmm. this kind of weird um, pointlessness to it. Like, okay, that's fine. But when I thought about the things that I really loved, which eating a good meal around the table with my family, Mm -hmm. um, now caring for the bees and the garden, Mm -hmm. I'm a beekeeper. And so having (laughs) having this garden and and like being a part of a community making music, like all of these things, like these are all shadows of what is to come, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. God gave us bodies and he created a world for those bodies to inhabit. And in the new creation, that's going to be just augmented. It's going to be that in a redeemed sense. Mm-hmm. You know? And so mm-hmm. suddenly there's this hope that like, you know, I talked to kids who are terrified of eternity, you know, who are just the thought of eternity is, is like gives them this phobic reaction uh, you know this you know life stretching off into nowhere but it, that doesn't happen i don't think when you think of it in terms of seasons mm. and mm. getting older in a body in a body that isn't getting old yes you know yes and time is no longer an adversary but time is your friend wow. because you know that this isn't your last meal with your parents wow. you know that you're going to circle back around in 500 years and talk about what you've done in the meantime you know mm. like I, it's amazing to think about and the fact sure. that there's this good king who is who is present and dwelling with us and is pleased to see his children caring for his creation the way it was meant to be cared for. Like that is a thrilling 
picture, right? And and it's not my picture. It's in right. the Bible. Right. It's and it's not fiction. It's real. And it will be yeah. real for us yeah. today. This is this is not something that uh, someone like a Lewis or a Tolkien could craft as as great a writer as as both of them were. This is reality or will be reality. But yeah. it's reality right now too, living in light of yes. the resurrection today. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right. I could talk to you forever, but we need to hear some more of your music. There's there's a song you wrote on the Resurrection Letters 1 album, and it's coming out of Colossians 1. That fits in with the Resurrection too, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it kind of drives home the centrality of Christ to the whole thing. He is standing at the center of the storm, you know, of all of creation. <sighs> and uh, and that, that it's a, taken almost verbatim from a passage in Colossians that... That Paul wrote about that, and it's the one. It's one of the most kind of. I'm going to geek out, but one of the most satisfying musical experiences of my life was the fact that uh, that song was written in the same key at the same tempo as the first song on Resurrection Letters Volume Two, mm. and it took ten years to record the first song and have them crossfade together the way that they were always meant to. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. So the, so uh, the chronology is all messed up, but like that song blends perfectly, leads you perfectly into volume two and, uh, and kicks us off into the, into the next section of the story. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. And by him, all things were created in heaven and earth. Seen and unseen, rulers, dominions, and powers, and kings. He holds all things, all things, all things together. He holds all things, all things, all things together. I always ask people this question when I interview them. So I'll ask you this question right now. And it's all right to pause, but the the question that I always ask people, and I want to ask you, Andrew, is what does Jesus mean to you? Hmm. Um, I don't don't know how to answer that question. Um, I I just, uh, hmm. He is... So we started watching The Chosen. Have you guys watched The Chosen yet, the, the TV show? Yeah, we've, had, we've had it on. It's not yeah. perfect, but man, when they get it right, they get it really right. Right. And uh, and it's kind of like part of the reason I've, I've been so fired up about this idea of Jesus as, as, a, as human, you know? Um, it is just so easy for us to forget that he's real. Mm. He's not a concept, that it, he's not an idea. And, and I just keep thinking, uh, especially during Lent, uh, leading to Holy Week and Easter, um, it's a, it's a time of year where we really pay attention to Him and His story, um, and His journey to the cross, and uh, and I just I just can't wait to see Him face to face. You know, I think mm. that's what it comes down to is that mm. He has a face, and one day I'll see it. Mm. And uh, I think that 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 when I imagine that, when I have these little glimpses of longing to actually hug my King, you know, mm. <laughs> and mm. to like be with Him. Uh, in, in, you know, flesh and blood reality, I just like, there's something, something catches in my throat and I, I, I know in a way that I haven't always known that this is what we were meant for. Isn't that strange, Andrew? We, I, somebody once described, a, a theologian once described for me that what, that 
as a result of the fall, we can go in one direction too far or another direction. Uh, and, and if we've come out of the direction where uh, Christ Jesus is just the judge, he's the king, you know, he's God, which he is, of course, all of that, we, we, we lose the fact that he's our friend. You know, he called us friend, that he loves us. He wants to communicate with us. He's standing at the door. He's going to eat dinner with us. And, and, and you can go one direction or the other. And if you want to just be theological, you can say he's fully God and fully man. And yet that doesn't quite capture it to describe our Jesus, our Jesus Christ in that way, does it? Yeah, it's it's hard to get your head around. There's a there there's a lot of uh, you know, and it's ongoing an ongoing process. <laughs> uh, like I've been a, a Christian a long time, and and still find feel like I'm just oblivious to so much of what mm. of who he is and and what he's going to be like one day. But you do get these glimpses along the way. You know, we you do get these moments yes. where you're like, ooh, it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. You know. <laughs> Cause I'm scared of him sometimes, you know, like sure. I, I have, I have moments sure. where, you know, I've never really had a hard time believing that God was real, but, but, um, when I question something, it's questioning his goodness, you know, mm. I think a lot of us can, when, especially when we're suffering can start to wonder if his intentions for us are really good. Mm. Um, but then when you read the new Testament and you see this like larger than life character named Jesus, who is always kind to the broken, mm. um, it gives it gives you hope when you're broken that he's going to be that he's kind to you too. Mm. Andrew Peterson, joining us from Nashville, uh, it's been a joy and it's been uplifting for my faith. Thank you for being with us here in Haven today. Thank you, Charles. It's been good to be with you. Thank you for joining us on Great Stories with Charles Morris, and it was really good to catch up again with Andrew Peterson. I wish I could have joined him in person at his home in Nashville. From what I saw in our Zoom call, his writing space that he calls the Chapter House looked like a great place to have a conversation. But even talking from computer to computer, I'm thankful for Andrew's creative heart and his zeal for our risen Christ. I'm also thankful that we could share this interview with you. And if you enjoyed it, would you share it with your friends? And please visit our website and sign up for our weekly email to remind you about the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe through the service that you use to listen to. Links are in the show notes. Thanks for joining me for Great Stories with Charles Morris. Charles Morris.